I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We're going back to the high for season five of the, the Connor and Smith Show. All right, who are we going to talk to tonight? Tonight we are talking to Robin Higginbotham. We love Robin. Yay! Yay! We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. For generations, people in Fairfax, Virginia have heard tales of the Bunny Man. Now, Bunny Man Brewing offers a tasty array of high-quality microbrews with a rotation of unique flavors. Come by to have a sample and maybe even catch a glimpse of the legendary hopper. But bring a friend, because you don't ever want to drink alone. Check our hours and see what's on tap at BunnyManBrewing.com. Robin Higginbotham. Yes, that's me. As I live and breathe. <laughs> Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm great. I'm sitting here with my husband and co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. One of my favorite people. One of my favorite people. <laughs> and our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Robin! What? How that are you? Surprise, I didn't know. Crazy. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited. Um, so you are in New York City, correct? Well, technically, if we want to be technical, and I'm going to be, I'm in West New York, New Jersey. It's right across the Hudson from New York City, and we are about across from 79th Street. I can see the Boat Basin Cafe at my bus stop. Gotcha, gotcha. So, but uh, yes, technically, I'm in the city every day working. How was the commute this evening? Um, we took the ferry back today. It was delightful, actually. Um, we're big, we're city bike people now. So when we're in the city, we bike to different locations. And uh, we usually take the bus in, which is a quick 20-minute com commute. But today, you know, it was like sort of that rush hour time. And we said, you know what? We're going to take the ferry. It was also nice out. So... That's what we did. Do they still have those buses where you like have to put your bike like out in front of it? Uh, I haven't seen the bike in the front of the bus in a while. Most people just put them underneath, but we just do the city bikes in the city. I have a bike at home, but I don't take it in. Oh, okay. Okay. I do the ones that, you know, you dock and you, you pay a membership for, for a uh, city bike and you can, dock them in different places around the city. And then you're not responsible for chaining and taking the seat off and all the other craziness that is involved with your own personal bike. Yeah, we have something like that here too. I, I guess uh, Capital Bike Share is the equivalent um, here yeah. in DC. Um, yeah, but now everybody around town is like crashing scooters. Yeah. Like are people like drunk scootering? Well, we don't have scooters per se, as in um, a public thing. People have their own scooters. People have their own electric bikes. There's a little bit of a problem with uh, Grubhub and all those delivery services on electric bike bikes whizzing down the bike lane in New York. And then there's a, a scooter, an electric scooter situation, which is mostly in, uh, on the upper part of Manhattan, like uh, like Harlem, 
Revel scooters, but they're like Vespas almost. And that's a problem because people are just reckless and driving like maniacs on those. So I do think the bike share thing is a good thing. We don't have kind of those little like pet push scooters or a little electric scooters where you stand that not publicly. So, we have those everywhere. Yeah, here. they have. We one time I was in Austin and we and I rode the Lime scooters and I did like them, but I didn't like the like. Well, just leave it anywhere and leave it on a corner and good luck to anyone. It's like all the streets are littered with scooters. I don't enjoy that. Yeah. So yeah, we have the same issue. Um, Robin, are you originally from the Jersey? I am not from the Jersey. I am. I although I live here now, I'm not a. I am a Rhode Island. Girl, I'm from you are RI. I'm RI, the ocean state, the biggest little state in the union, Rhode Island. That's me. And and so before we start talking about the amazing imprint on my heart oh. that I that I think I might be able to jump in and do maybe 25% of the ography. <laughs> we will hold that for a second. But <laughs> Um, did Shenandoah kind of find you or did you kind of find Shenandoah? Did you have other options? How did you get to Shenandoah? I know it seems crazy. Um, in high school, I, you know, when you take those little tests, what are you going to do with your life? I definitely was like theater, dance, all that kind of stuff. And then my guidance counselors provided pamphlets for different schools, one being Emerson in Boston, which is very close to me, but I was like, oh, that's too close. And then uh, I, I thought about, I mean, I literally was like, no offense to where I grew up because I loved it, but I was like, I want to go somewhere totally different. So I was like thinking about California and all these options. And the year I was, my junior year of high school, there was a um, apprenticeship at Shenandoah Summer Music Theater. And it's second year. And my guidance counselor was like, maybe you'd be interested in this. So I applied and I got accepted. And um, the rest is history in a way that I just, you know, I went for summer theater and I thought it was great. And I got sucked in and I was like, I would love to go to this school. And the apprenticeship sort of led to me being accepted as a student. And I said, why look anywhere else? I like the small school. I like the you know personal attention i loved that what was going on at the summer theater so i just decided to go there that's what happened and now that- you performed in ssmt but also i'm not going to name your title if there was one but eventually you kind of became a department uh, i know that you were the choreographer but you also kind of helped to navigate with mr herman like a co-director maybe position Let's, I, well, what he called me in several productions was assistant director. So assistant to him, which I, on Susical, a couple in the later years, he did actually give me assistant director credit. But for the most part, I was, you know, a choreographer um, a- after being obviously an actor in, in many productions. And then I kind of ended up being a choreographer. And actually, uh, Hal Herman is, the person who suggested to me uh, that I should choreograph something. And it started out with um, an opera, uh, The Tenderland by Aaron Copeland. He was directing it and he was like, do you want to choreograph this? And I, I think that was like my, either my sophomore or my junior year of college. And so I did. And that was kind of my first 
choreography gig. And I was like, I, I liked it. I liked doing all the aspects of it. And then he gave me my first professional choreography job uh, with Camelot. Is, is dance kind of your window into your heart into theater? Yeah, um, I started dancing when I was three, three years old, little tap jazz ballet, local dance. You know, my mom put me in there and uh, I loved it. And I and I did that from three till I still dance. So till now. And then along the way, I started singing in choirs at church and, and in school. And then I was like, oh, singing and dancing. And then I was like, I'm kind of dramatic acting. So that's, kind <laughs> of, oh, I'm a drama queen and I talk too much. Acting sounds good. So yeah, that's how it all happened for, for me. But it did start with dance, definitely. Don't you think kind of in a weird way that maybe when you choreograph a show, if there isn't an assistant director, you kind of assume that sort of invisible role anyway? Yeah, I mean, you know, it kind of goes back to what Hal says about music theater. I mean, it's like, it's it's acting, and when you when the acting gets so heightened, you sing, and when this when it gets even more heightened, you dance. So it's all related to the same thing. It's all part of telling the story. So yes, it, as a choreographer, often you are in a musical. You're often almost an assistant director, a co-director, depending on what the musical is, and you know because you guys have been in some of the things I've done. A lot of the times I've done things that are very music centric, like Superstar and things like that. So the choreography tells a lot of the story um, more than a classic musical, which has like book scenes. When it's sung through, you're, you're moving a lot and there's a lot of movement and uh, staging that's done by the choreographer. Um, before we get to the uh, superstar, were you in superstar? I was. Were you in oh, superstar? Yes. Yeah, most definitely. Was dance captain, I think, the second time. Oh God, let's not bring that up. <laughs> How did you get to be dance captain? Uh, I, I asked Robin. No, I think it was your outfit. Okay. Um, Robin, I think we met, and I might be wrong because now I'm 52 years old. I'm older than you, baby, and I don't. My memory is suspect. And but I and I think see. that maybe I would. I think the first time I met you was I was on the roof being the fiddler. Oh, may, yeah, I think maybe. And I think I remember we we talked to Doctor Abbott about this the other night. I truly believe that somehow fiddler had a huge impact in my life because I really felt like the template for how fiddler is sort of. Um, written is kind of this perfect like musical if you want to like do a musical it's kind of like the openings tradition which is basically telling you what the show's about and then you know the tradition gets broken through the show and anyway but there was something about the music and the performers in that show that just made me feel such emotion about the show and I remember your perform performance I remember you doing some dance behind a scrim yeah as Havala. Yep. The Did, little Hava Ballet. And was that Robin Schroth? That was Robin. Yep. Robin did it. Yeah. Well, I just remember just being, I mean, I was only the fiddler trying to fake, I think, uh, Teresa Gordon's fingering <laughs> on, the, on the violin to throw a name out there. Well, and she actually showed me how to play the violin so I could fake it, which of course looked, I'm sure, embarrassing, but that was- No, no. No, you acted it perfectly. It was delightful. Um, and I will say, fun, 
strangely enough, the first summer I worked at Shenandoah when I was still in high school, the first show was Fiddler on the Roof. And I wasn't in it I because I was in high school. I arrived later than uh, the show started as an apprentice. I was arriving late. So I was kind of there right before opening of Fiddler. And I was like helping dress the sets, do the finishing touches. And then I was, you know, I was moving sets because I was an apprentice. And um, I do remember uh, Beth Green was Hava in that production who went on to do Broadway shows and unfortunately has passed away, but she was a, a Shenandoah graduate. And I remember just being mesmerized by that ballet behind the scrim. And I, I wasn't in the show. I just was like, oh my goodness, these people are so good. And I want to be just like them. This is amazing. So Fiddler was, strangely enough, kind of my first glimpse into Shenandoah as well. Robin, are you there this summer? I am not there this summer. No. Well, let's let's jump to what I really want to talk about for a good five minutes. <laughs> okay. Is, you know, all of us were just fucking blown away because, I mean, of course you hear Superstar. Of course we know Superstar. I think I saw um, Larry Friedman and we even met What's-His-Face Ted Neely and you see the movie, but there was something special. And I don't care if you're listening from the state of Michigan because we know who you are, Michigan people, but <laughs> there was something special about both productions of Superstar and it totally included your amazing choreography. I can still remember even the tormentors like step push section to either Bobby or whoever the or, or, or Ryan Williams killing themselves. I mean, it was just very, just something different. Superstar sometimes seems a little, I don't want to say commercial, but you took that choreography and made it something very grounded and it felt very real. Thank you. I. Yeah, I don't, that's one of the first big shows I've ever done. That was definitely my first, like, I was out of college and Hal was like, come back and choreograph this for the school year. And it, it was a big deal to me. And I want it to be, you know, obviously your first big job, you want it to be the best it can be. Not that you wouldn't always want that, but, um, and just this, you know, the story, the music, which is very telling too. It's very thematic and in certain sections and the whole idea of the tormentors and the whole idea being concept so that you can kind of put your stamp on it. I don't know. I, I, I feel very lucky to have worked on that and to have worked on it kind of as my first big professional job. And really had the time to put some thought into it. And I don't know, I, I don't know. I, I really, um, I, I was one of my more creative times of my life. And I, I think um, I, I'm very proud of how that came out. All, all of the times that I did it from being on a rake, at, on a rake stage, on a rake stage, right. on a rake stage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still walking at that angle <laughs> because I, I, I um, you, well, it, well. We, you know, we've all been in shows that the choreographer, for for better or for worse, seems to only be interested in this in step into steps and dancing that maybe be might be storytelling. But there was something about your choreography for that specific show that was not just dance. It felt like we were living and breathing together 
in every moment of that show until the very end. Yeah, I, yeah, it was a very special time for me too, that show. And and I do try anytime I choreograph a show to really, you know, for whatever it is to relate acting wise. I mean, I do hear Hal Herman in my head going, it's elevated, it's dr drama elevated and elevated from singing to dancing and it has to tell the story. And, you know, so I, I've always, I, I pick steps for a reason. I don't just pick steps because I like them. I pick them because I think it tells the story. So um, I hope that comes across that, particularly in that show, because it was one of my first, I definitely was super concentrated on that. Uh, and depending on the show, like uh, the last thing I did at Shenandoah, choreography wise was ragtime. And I was really proud of what we did with that because I really researched all the different groups and their styles of movement and trying to tell the story through their styles. And although I am clearly, I'm not an African-American, those were some of my favorite sections was telling the story of Harlem. And I really did a lot of research on it. And I just, I, I'm a history buff too. One of my jobs in New York is uh, I'm a tour guide. I give food tours, but I tell the history of neighborhoods. So I like telling history and stories and definitely since I'm a dancer through movement. So anyway, I can do that at any time. Um, and people think it works. I, I'm pretty happy about it. Where's the Robin TikTok of like the histories, three minute <laughs> histories of New York? Well, yeah. I, I know nothing about TikTok. I'm old. Someone has to teach me. Is this all Manhattan or all the boroughs? Um, I work for a company called Foods of New York Tours. Actually, Rick does too. And we do lower Manhattan food tours. Um, the original tour that started the neighborhood was in Greenwich Village. So there's two Greenwich Village tours. There's one Chelsea Market meatpacking Highline tour. Uh, there's a Nolita tour, a Chinatown tour. Um, uh, there's another village tour. So everything's kind of below 14th Street because that's where the man that started the company, our boss, he that's where he settled uh, in Greenwich Village and started giving these tours because he loved the neighborhood. He loved the places in his neighborhood to go to eat. He wanted to share them with people. So he started it in 1999 and it's still going. And I'm really lucky to get to help do that. It's kind of puts all my loves together. It's kind of a little show because you're a tour guide, right? You're kind of performing in front of the, the guests. You're the leading also, player. Yeah, kind of. Also, you know, it's food and I've as an actor in New York, I've been a waiter and a bartender for most of my time here. So that's that aspect of it too. And then I love the history of the neighborhoods and the businesses and the families that run the business. So it kind of puts that all together. So that's um, my, I guess you'd call it survival job in New York. But my boss is really great too about if I get a acting gig or a choreography gig about go do that, come back when you're done. So that's freaking exciting. That's amazing. It's a good deal. Yeah, it's like when you're it, it, when you're in the conservatory, you learn how to run all aspects of the um, 
whether you're in the show or on either side of the table, doing the show, running the show, choreographing the show, then you leave and you get a job in the restaurant and you can't only be a waiter, you have to learn how to also make sure how to make the special or, or close up or be the manager. And it's like a rule for life. Like you just kind of build your own community so you can basically know when to lead and know when to follow. Yeah. I mean, I think what, and you can weigh in on this, but what Shenandoah taught me with all the things we had to do from work backstage and take stagecraft and all that is you just learn every aspect and you make it work. And, and um, as someone who's gone on to do other things from choreographing to directing, I, I've directed at, at smaller schools in the Midwest and I end up designing the set and being like, no, you should do it this way because the people who are there aren't as adept as the people we worked with, right? They, they're they not a big department. It's a smaller department at a smaller school. So I end up like drawing sketches of a costume or, uh, or helping out in the costume shop or uh, painting sets before opening for productions that I'm directing because I learned how to do that at Shenandoah. So I, we can make all aspects of a production happen, which is, um, I think, an asset to us. And I think that's why a lot of us work is because we can make it work no matter what we're doing. Totally. I mean, I th I've always felt like Shenandoah was like a boot camp uh, sort of situation before we like were thrown out into the battle. Definitely. Yeah. After college, did you immediately move to New York? I did not immediately move to New York. I, right after college, I was going to go to New York, but I was like going home first for a little bit. And then someone that was in summer theater that, that year, which was cabaret summer, uh, was from Tennessee and had connections to Opryland in Nashville and said to me, you you should work there. And I was like, oh, okay, that's great. It's a theme park. I'm not like really theme park material. I don't know. And anyway, uh, they needed people. So on her way back from summer theater, this uh, girl that I, I'm still friends with um, stopped in and they said, oh, we really need people for the fall. And she said, well, I know someone that's uh, just graduated college and is free. So I get a call from the head of Opryland Entertainment <laughs> asking me to audition for them because they needed people for the fall. So I sent a tape in and then I ended up moving to Nashville in the fall of after I graduated in 90. So I was in Nashville for a short time. And then it was kind of one thing led to another for a little while. So uh, Nashville led to a cruise ship job, uh, led to another job in Texas, led to a job at Theater 4 in Richmond. Uh, so I did a lot of regional work for a while. And then when that all kind of dissolved, I moved to New York, which would be 95 when I technically moved for good. And then didn't you eventually do something with Kenny Rogers? I did. So um, I know, remember something about that. Yeah, I auditioned for a show, he, a Christmas show he was doing at the Beacon Theater in New York. Um, I should know the year. I think it was 99, maybe 98. Anyway, um, he was, you know, I was at the time I was going to so many auditions. It was just like wrote to go to this, that, and the other. So I auditioned for it. It was not, I was still non-union. It was a non-union show at the beacon. Um, 
eight callbacks later, yeah, eight callbacks later, <laughs> I got the show. So I ended up doing a show at the Beacon Theater in New York with Kenny Rogers. Um, it was a Christmas show where the first half was kind of Christmas songs. And then the second half was a one act musical he had written called The Toy Shop about a small town toy shop owner uh, trying to be taken over by a big conglomerate and then the toys coming to life and kind of saving the day. And it was, it was super sweet and cute. And uh, it was a lovely little show. And we did it in New York for a year. And then he decided he was going to tour with it for the next, I want to say, six years. So then I toured with him for six years. Oh, my gosh. And, um, yeah. And I, just at Christmas time. But um, the Christmas show that we did in New York, I was dance captain for. And then I ended up being the choreographer and a cast member of the tour for six Christmases. It was a pretty good gig. And chicken around all the time? Or? Do what? <laughs> Are you thinking about Kenny Rogers Can fried you, chicken yeah, restaurant? Fried chicken right, yeah, the, we, no, there's many jokes about Dolly Parton and fried chicken, but I, I will say Kenny Rogers <laughs> is literally the best person I've ever worked for. Super nice, super good to us. Um, wow. Parties and gifts during Christmas, and oh. and it's not like a regular theater job. We were like we were treated like musicians, right? <laughs> We had our own bus with a fridge and all the things we could want and all the hotels were paid for. And we still had per diem for some weird reason, which we didn't need to use. So I used it to buy Christmas presents, but um, it was a great gig. It's definitely the best gig I've ever had in my life. And it, we all felt like rock stars because you know, we were treated like musicians and the musicians would say to us, this is how it is on the road in theater, right? And we were like, Shh, no, don't tell anyone. We do not get treated this well. <laughs> <laughs> Was it ever turned into a movie? Um, no, but they did do, um, they revised the whole thing in Branson a few years ago. Uh, so our show had kids in it. Uh, Oh, I'm going to say six or seven children that were in the review part. And then they were the kids that came to the toy shop and they were from all over uh, in the New York show. And the same kids basically came with us on tour. Um, They're all adults now and they played our parts in the revival in Branson. <laughs> so <laughs> the kids that were kids in the show were playing the toys in the Branson revival, which was not with Kenny. It was with, Billy Ray Cyrus, I think. Oh, wow. I think, I think, someone like that. It, it was another celebrity filled in in his part in that role, but it, it, it was still his show that he wrote, but they did a, a Branson revival, um, which was kind of interesting. And then, you know, Kenny passed away last year. Um, and so went with that, a, another gentleman that's out of Massachusetts that follows him and, you know, he's got a huge fan base and he's got people that write about him all the time. And this one man decided to do a, kind of like this, a series of interviews with, although he did them um, video interviews with people that have worked with Kenny. So one of those people was someone that I did the show with and they said, oh, you should talk to Robin. So he, he and I did an interview, which was great. And it, it was just great to say, um, He's he's literally one of the most professional, um, most warm and loving people I've ever worked with. As far as the reason he's been in 
the business for as long as he has is he knows what he knows and knows what he doesn't. He's not a diva. He's a fantastic musician. He's an amazing performer. But when we were doing a musical stage show, he would turn to me and say, oh, how do we make this work? Like he never claimed to know it all, which was amazing to me because he's so famous and so well known, but he was also so humble. So I just really appreciated that. And I, I appreciated the support he always gave me um, in my position. So it was a, a, an amazing once in a lifetime experience. So it was, a, it was a great gig. It's wonderful to hear like somebody like that is just like the greatest person in the world as opposed to the opposite of that. Yeah, no, cause I, I absolutely hate and get so deflated when I hear someone that I like as a performer is a horrible person. I just go, oh, can't you just be <laughs> a good person too? Cause then that's gonna make it for me. But um, he was, he was all good things. So it was pretty nice to work with him. I find, which, you know, I have the opinion that is a lowercase O, but you know, I find that musicians own so much of what they do that it really comes from them. And that actors who have to portray something other than themselves have to like scratch and bite and kick to get into those parts because they're not selling themselves. They're selling that they can do something else. Yeah. And it's yeah. such a, just a little bit of a different thing of like, I can sing that note in Wicked. Yeah. Rather than being like, well, this is my, this is my Christmas show. Y'all want it or you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm also just always floored by, listen, I, I mean, you know, uh, uh, clearly I've sung in musicals and I, I wouldn't say I can read music. I can follow along. I'm not a musician like you guys are, not nothing like you as you're such a talented musician. I'm always in awe of people that are real uh, musicians that can play instruments and really understand theory and all that, which I cannot understand. As Rick says, I see the little black dots go up and down and I kind of can follow them. But um, to me, to work with true musicians is the biggest honor and privilege of being in musical theater. And I remember in college, Robin Schroff, who, you know, one of our favorite people, um, had a class with Tom Albert called Music and Dance. Um, I don't know if it was happening when you guys were in school, but I lucked out into a semester of this where dancers worked with musicians and the musicians would compose something and then we would choreograph something or we would choreograph something and then they would compose something. So just bringing those two worlds together, it was just so great. And I, I'm just in awe of people that can play and create music like you and Tom Albert and all that. So I find it a big privilege to work with musicians. That's super, super cool. That's kind of how me and Steven work. We don't really we're not really so like linear. We're kind of like music and dance. We just get in the living room and say, now what about this? Ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. Yep. And yep. He was like, oh, I've got some words for that. Hello, I, it's me, Pam. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I just love that. I just love that you can work that way, right? That someone can come up with an idea and you can riff on it and you can just combine your, your two talents and make it into something incredible we definitely did not have music and dance uh when i was there that would have been great. it sounds amazing yeah. it was no, only no, like, we just had beer only... and pizza 
Yeah, they they only did it. Um, it was like a semester course. It was like, you know, an extra. It was not in the core curriculum. It was just something they did every once in a while. Um, and and I, I think it was my sophomore year. There was a semester of it. And I was like, I totally want to do that. I'm in. So we would be in the gym in Shingleton with like six musicians and six dancers and they would play something. We would choreograph something or the opposite way. And Tom and Robin were there. You should ask them about it. It was a cool course. <laughs> uh, I bet. I wish I was there. Robin, when you, when you moved to New York, as we all know, whether you moved to New York or Philadelphia or LA or wherever, or if you end up in a little itty bitty chateau in Arlington, Virginia, Mm -hmm. We we all know that that the uh, the longevity of the career has highs and lows, and in between those highs and lows are like a bunch of survival jobs. Correct. So you can be on Broadway one moment, and then the next minute. I remember talking to a friend who was in Rocky, the musical, and you know she said, "Oh my gosh, I went from this paycheck, which mainly went to my." handlers my manager my agents blah 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 i had a car to drive me to my home and then the night it closed i got in the car and realized oh wow it's all it's all done mm -hmm. and we've had we all have experienced what that feels like but i've if, never experienced that never <laughs> ryan would you leave this podcast <laughs> but um so what are some what are some sort of uh, survival jobs or things that you've had to go through to pivot or change even beyond the pandemic? But like um, everyone arrives in New York, I guess, maybe not not thinking, but, you know, wondering like, oh, I guess I'm going to audition. And when I get a job, I will continue working, not realizing that it is a constant back in line for the next audition. Yeah, I kind of realized that before I got to New York. Um, there was a little bit of a pipeline of Shenandoah to New York. So when I was in school, I visited a few times um, some people that had graduated that I was familiar with from summer theater. And I saw how they, you know, how they were doing it. But, you know, it was a little bit of a slog. And then uh, Rick Wesley, Clive Charlton, people a few years ahead of me got to New York and all started working at this place called the Landmark Tavern. Ted Anderson, Rick Wesley, Clive Charlatan, um, Paige Coffey, Dane Whitlock. Uh, and so when I got to New York, I kind of hit that pipeline of get a job at the Landmark, go to auditions and do your thing. So we had a the good thing about Shenandoah is we had a really good uh, support kind of group in New York where we all would be like, when you get here, give us a call. We'll do what we can to help you out. If you need a couch to crash on, whatever. Um, so I kind of lucked into that. So I, I immediately was, oh, so stereotypical waitress and then bartender um, in between jobs. And I've always maintained those connections um, to always have a survival job if I needed it. Because, you know, like you said, you can be on Broadway one day and then have no job the next. So um, I've always looked out to jobs that have always been like, you go away and do something, you come back, we'll take you back. So that's kind of how I've, I've, I lucked out. I remember seeing you when I first moved to New York, I came over to your place 
probably what two thousand over twenty years ago. Yikes! Do you remember that at all? My place. Where was my place? And then I'll remember. <laughs> I think it may have been down in the village, maybe. Uh, East Village, yeah. 14, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourteen and second. Yep, I yep, lived yep. there for a while. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that was a long time ago. So long ago. <laughs> so long ago. Yeah, that was a great place I lucked into because of a Shenandoah girl, Chris Coop. Uh, it was her apartment originally, and then I moved in with her, and then she moved on, and I took over the lease. So, yeah, we've always kind of had each other's backs here, the Shenandoah crowd in New York. And I know it's the same way in D.C. too. So um, I think it's helped to have the support of our alumni group, really. I mean, it's not an easy slog in any city. And if you at least have someone you can, uh, you know, talk to or ask advice from. And honestly, now we live uh, across the river in New Jersey in West New York. It's literally across from seven, West 79th Street. Um, and we have a bigger place now with a couple of bedrooms. And for a while, we, we've rotated a lot of Shenandoah students when I've done summer theater and someone's like, I'm going to move to New York. Can I stay with you for a month while I look for a place? We've had um, a number of Shenandoah students come through our, our house and, I, and I've been happy to do it because, you know, I, I just like to support um, people that want to do theater. It's not, e it's not easy. You all know that. It's so kind. That is so kind of you. Yeah, we've had a lot of great people come through these doors. Uh, Sarah Misco, before she was Sarah Misco, she stayed with us for a while when she was rehearsing for a Fiddler on the Roof, as a matter of fact. And uh, Abby Austin. Um, oh, God, who else has lived with us? So many people. <laughs> I can't even think of, of everyone off the bat. But um, yeah, like a, a month or two here and there, a couple of weeks if people are coming in for auditions still to this day, you know, we say, if you're coming up and you need a place to stay, we've got room, come on over. We'll be there next week. Sure. We have a driveway. We have two extra bedrooms and you are welcome. And now, you know, now that the COVID's over, uh, not over, but you know what I mean? Like it's less um, troublesome. There, There's room for anyone here. We, um, speaking, I just wanted to go back in time a little once more of yep. course we the three of us got to actually the four of us got to be in superstar together yeah. in ssmt and we're gonna bring it back bring it back bring it back i and can still be, be a tormentor thing yeah like an encore i can still be a tormentor i'm not too old to dance i, I think i could probably be a leper really good at this <laughs> point. i could still be king harry but you I are you are queen. the only you're the only king that I know, Matt Connor, you are the the OG and the only one in my mind. Yeah, that that summer though, uh, one of those summers, you you were the lead in Damn Yankees, the lead in uh, Crazy for You. Those were you were great. Oh, thanks. That's really sweet. I oh I, man, Crazy for You, Crazy for You, that you and um, Carl Danielson. That was one of my favorite shows I've ever done at Summer Theater, and it was a show that kind of some of nobody really knew it that well like we kind of were like oh yeah it's on broadway we've heard of it like i didn't see it on broadway and it's all gershwin great that's going to be great and then uh it turned out to be such a great production like everyone was fantastic the whole cast 
was so strong in every part. It was great. I love that. My knees part. no longer work because of that. Well, show. That sounds about right. Because <laughs> I fell. Remember, I fell from the second story. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. That fall was insane, Ryan. That was yeah. ridiculous. Nail call. I don't walk anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Steven, you can tell me this. Um, or Robin, the, the song that's like the last number in the end with the big swooping white dress that's just fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, or is that a medley of songs? It's a medley. But yeah. it's, oh, I just love it. Shall we dance? Da, 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 da. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Let's yeah. do that too. Um, <laughs> so much fun. But speaking of uh, shows that make your knees hurt, uh, I was actually going to bring up. Another show that happened that summer, which was the State Fair. Oh, our State Fair was a great State Fair. <laughs> Don't miss it. Don't even Don't be late. Be yeah, State Fair. Um. Oh, Margie. I had to can some stuff during that opening scene. Like, I was literally doing labor. Hal likes that prop work. He's like... Put those cans together, uh, you know, move this, do that. He he likes the women in his shows to do a lot of housework while they're doing a scene. <laughs> there was a line, me and Steven still say to this day, where your character, Marjorie, whatever, you did something with maybe a loving it was or the, something. It was the reprise of, um, I think it was one of the reprises of... Uh, might as well be spring. And you you said yourself in the script, oh, Margie. Oh, Margie. <laughs> and me and Steven sometimes will be making a decision here in life. And we've just always looked at each other and been like, oh, Margie. <laughs> you know, I still, I'm in touch with Eric Paris, who played my jilted boyfriend in that show. And he still brings it up. He's like, you broke up with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> oh my god, that's hysterical. Yeah, we still, because remember when I was your boyfriend, you broke up with me in front of, you know, thousands of people <laughs> on a daily basis. Um, we talk about that show frequently. It, it was such a fun, feel-good show. Um, of course, there's always shenanigans, especially in summer theater. Yeah. I, I recall Shuck My Corn Night. <laughs> where we were all trying to work the phrase shuck my corn into the show. And I believe in what that night, instead of saying, oh, Margie, you said, shuck my corn. I, I remember that. You did. Totally what are y'all talking about? This is a professional gig. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I have no recollection. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth is exactly what was about to come It out. works for everybody else. You can say it too. <laughs> well, we oh, all know this. There's a phrase on Wheel of Fortune the other night, I think. We all know this. There is something that's so um, familiar. Whenever you do a show with anyone, anywhere in the country, across the globe, we cr it creates a certain energy of uh, friends. It, we all vibrate in the same way. And like literally, it, it's, it creates a, f a family that's like none other from any other jobs that we do, even though we love our other jobs. When you do a show, you create like this... I mean, we can still, all of us, just talk about memories, about things that I can't ever talk about if I'm working at the bank, even though I love the bank. Yeah. Isn't that like, a, like a, an emotional thing as a performer when you're in a show with someone and you're, you're being someone else to a certain degree and the other person is and you go through emotions you would go through in life? And I don't know, there's just some kind of connection there. Oh, totally. Outside of it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's, 
it's amazing. Like, you know, I've done, well, you were there, Matt, I think for an Oliver, you were there for one, weren't you? Oh, I was there for one as well. Oh, and, and you were there for one as well. So I've done Oliver twice as Nancy with Rick and um, our big scene where we have the huge fight and I lose my mind. I, I just remember the, like just that ca catharsis of emotion through all those scenes and also working with Lindy on that show uh, Lindy Herman. Because she directed it. Yeah. And her, right. her ideas, first of all, that woman was so incredible. Her mind, the way it worked, just blew my mind. And I always wanted to be inside of her head. I saw her perform at Totem Pole several times and I was like, one of the best actresses I've ever seen. And then also as a director, just her thoughts on things were like so amazing to me. And it was an honor and a privilege to do Oliver with her, with Hal, with Hal playing uh, Fagan and Rick and I playing Bill and Nancy. Like I was just blown away by the thought she had and getting notes from her. And, and often it would just be the three of us, like apart from the company and the things she would say, it was, it was so amazing to me. Um, but my point in that is something happened and, and I can't remember in the last production we did, I, I really, in one of those scenes, I had like a super, like I always was as Nancy having a breakdown in the scene, but it was like for real. And I just really started kind of crying and breaking down. And when the scene was over and I left the stage, the kid playing Oliver, when we were backstage was like, wow, you, you really went there. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, you know, he's like 10. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, wow, that was amazing. Like, it was kind of cool too. Cause it was uh, this young kid realizing like, this is where acting can go. Like to places that you couldn't imagine. He's like, you were really crying. I'm like, yeah, it got, it got there today. <laughs> you know? It was like, uh, it's just amazing to see people realize the catharsis you can have as an actor and, and those special moments that, you know, only, listen, we could talk for hours, the the four of us, these stories of every show we've ever done together, because you're putting it all out on the line. And whether it's goofing around or, you know, just an amazing special moment or the perfect audience that just gets it and everybody's right there. It's just there's nothing like being on that stage and having those amazing moments. And we've all shared those together. So it's amazing to talk about them. Like we are now. the moments when you have an audience that's really bad, you get that shared experience yes. with the other actors, right? Yes. There's nothing okay. like it. Yeah, either way, like you're either bonding cause it's like, oh my God, nobody, is anyone awake? Is anyone out there? Or, or oh my God, they're just like laughing at, like that happened a lot during Crazy For You, like the laughs, and the, the moments in the bar that were just like killer and the, you know, that we just really had everybody on board and the entire house. It's just, it's like a high that you can't imagine anywhere else. Yep, yep. Um, well, it's like, you know, when you see a show and you've been in a show, it really can divide the goats and the sheep from the people who are really authentic storytellers. And then you go to the Hershey Theater in Pennsylvania and you see the tour of Jekyll and Hyde and 
uh, Christian No is really working hard and doing great. And I forget the other guy who was in it. Uh, but anyways, three leads were amazing. And then the ensemble, you're like, um, so you guys don't really care about this show, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're not really into the umbrella number during Murder, Murder. <laughs> <laughs> and also, just let's talk about SSMT, Shandrasa Music Theater. We're putting up a show in 10 days. We're busting our ass and we put up a pretty damn good show every time. Like everybody's like puts all they they've got into it. I mean, we put up some good stuff in 10 days. That's it, unbelievable to me. And then striking the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember um, in Armstrong before we had, you know, Austin Bryant, when we, were, we did Showboat and Armstrong, which was how did we do it? I don't even know. But I remember sitting in the house with Hal, because um, I was playing Ellie, in a tech, because I wasn't going to be moving sets. I had too many costume changes and Victorian garb and whatever. But um, sitting, because we had to have a huge extra tech, like right before opening night, because we had to move a boat and all sorts of things. And Hal just turned to me and going, nobody who comes to these shows has any idea what we go through to get to it. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, just over and over again, do that change again, go back, reset, you know, restore, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just insane. Every aspect of it, not just learning all the songs and the dances and, you know, and, and acting and trying to get it right, but just like the moving of the sets, which we did everything all the time. So it's, it's definitely boot camp and bonding. <laughs> And then there was always my pro tip to uh, underclassmen coming up under me at strike. If you don't know how to do anything like me and you can't really productively do much to help carry a power tool and walk with purpose. Exactly. I think yeah. that's a great tip, <laughs> great pro tip. Hey, Robin, before I am looking at the time here, we don't like to go over an hour and we're at 48. I wanted to ask you if I wanted to take the New York tour what is one exciting uh, little historical uh, tidbit that you guys talk about? Oh, well, I'm going to relate it to theater. So on our original Greenwich Village tour, we uh, walk, we, we do, it's a food tour and we talk about the food and the history of the places and the history of the food, but we also throw in the history of the neighborhood. So um, on the original Greenwich Village tour, we go to the Cherry Lane Theater which is the oldest off-Broadway theater in New York. Um, it was started by Edna St. Vincent Millay oh and gosh. her friends in 1923. And it's still doing amazing productions. Um, it's on Commerce Street slash Cherry Lane in the, in the village. I personally did not know that the actual name of the street was Commerce Street until I started working for this company because I always just went there for the theater and it was the Cherry Lane Theater to me and Cherry Lane, which is a nickname of the street because it was at one time said to be lined with cherry trees. But anyway, oldest running uh, off-Broadway theater in New York, um, and if no one knows the differences between Broadway, off-Broadway, and off-off-Broadway, it's about seating capacity. So the smallest theaters are off-off-Broadway. They're up to 99. Off-Broadway houses, 100 to 499. Every Broadway house has 500 seats or more. Most are located in the theater district, but it's not about where they're located. It's about seating capacity. Interesting. 
And then it just happens that a lot of the big buildings around the district, the theater district that we consider Broadway. Most of the, yeah, most of the Broadway theaters are in the theater district, but Lincoln Center is far away from the, I mean, fairly far away. It's up on 66 uh, from the main theater district, which is in the forties. And, but Lincoln Center has a Broadway house. So that's just a little tidbit. Um, about things we talk about on our food tour. We also talk about history and all that sort of good and are stuff. And are you guys walking? Yeah, it's a walking, it's a three hour walking tour with plenty of tastings that make it basically a meal, like a lunch. Oh, and, wow. Um, yeah, by the time you're done, you've had enough food to consider it lunch. Um, usually people are pushing food away from us, although I don't like that so much. I push it back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it tells the history of the neighborhood and it's kind of like someone, we hope it's like a friend taking you around the neighborhood and feeding you and showing you the best of the best, but also giving you a little additional information that you might not know. Um, so Robin, lastly, I just want to ask, are there any things that you have recently been like binging watching that you could recommend to listeners Ooh. besides the fucking news? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is this isn't going to be a, a new thing, but for whatever reason, we just recently have gotten into Shameless. Oh, you, know, you ever watch that with William H Macy? I mean, it is irreverent, crazy, uh, but it's super fun. So, um, Shameless on Netflix is something. I mean, it's like seven seasons, and I think we're on four. Um, the British one. No, uh, William H. Macy in oh. Chicago. It's jo first of all, I will say Joan Cusack is amazing in this series. Um, she's kind of a minor character, but she is fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, it's about a kind of underprivileged family uh, in Chicago and their father and mother, horrible, horrible people. One of them being William H. Macy. Macy. He's shameless. He is a drug addict and uh a drunk and he basically is most days found passed out and on a street somewhere and all his kids are struggling by themselves to make it. And that's one of our, one of the shows we're watching currently. Um, is, it Joan, is it Joan Cusack in the in and out movie where she says, yes. is everybody gay? <laughs> is that, is that what, Oh yes. Yeah, it is her. That's true. Is everybody yeah. gay? John Cusack's, sister mm -hmm. um so that's one of the things i just happen to be watching right now oh gosh you know since covid we've been so many things like my brain is a is a fog of of things peaky blinders i heard just came out with a new season and that's another favorite of mine with cillian murphy yes love him love, love it. him too love it love him and then um on a very goofy, on you know, not the same note. Is it cake? Have you watched that? <laughs> no, uh, it, we, it, we wait, I know what it is. It's basically trying to identify if this is a dessert or not. If it's a cake or if it's an actual apple or an actual toolbox or an actual chair. Um, it's basically like cake designers that design uh, real things that look like real things, like a computer, but it's made out of cake. And so it's a little mini competition show. Mikey Day from SNL 
is the host of it. And they just have people, they just pick three celebrity judges to come on and judge, is it cake? Or is <laughs> so you have to pick which one's the real cake and which one's the real item. They put like six up and they are impossible to distinguish. It's just kind of a fun, mindless show. That it kind of reminds me in a, of it being in the same vein as Nailed It. If you yes, ever watched I, Nailed yes, It, exactly. I love Nailed It too. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of all of those. One of my COVID pleasures was British Baking Show, and, and Nailed It, and all those kind of things where they're just making desserts and having fun. Can't be. It can't be bad. We also watched uh, The Floor Is Lava. We enjoyed. Oh that. yeah, The Floor oh, Is I Lava. I love The Floor Is Lava. I haven't watched the new season yet, but I'm I'm gonna. Hit it's it. worth it. It's so mindless, but we love it. I that sometimes the reason I watch television a lot is just to be the end of my day to just do something mindless. So I love all that stuff for that reason. Well, we have enjoyed catching up with you, Robin. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Uh, we respect, admire, and love you. And um, I don't know. It's been too long. We've got to get together. We've got to figure it out. Yeah, yes, we do. Come here. We have two extra bedrooms. You can drive up. We have a driveway. Come stay with us. You are, you've heard it here. It's now it's on tape forever. I'm inviting <laughs> you to come to my house at any time. Just give us a little text heads up that we're on your, our way and you are always invited. So please come and visit us. And you know, it would be awesome if we all got to work together again sometime. Maybe we can work something out there too. I think we can figure that out quick. We got a Kickstarter campaign and boom. Kick it. All right. Sounds great. I love you guys. I could talk to you for hours. I know not everyone wants to hear us talk for hours, but you know, I could talk to you for hours and I <laughs> all this time. And I know you should edit this down because it's probably a lot of me going on and on. Oh no, no, my God. <laughs> All right, we love you, Robin. We'll talk to love you soon. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for talking to us, Robin. We love you. We love some Robin. Um, and so great to continue the Jesus Christ Superstar thread. Um, yes, remount. Let's do it. Matt still has the cape. <laughs> That's right. I have the cape. We can we can do it all over again. Yeah. Um, but thanks so much for joining us. And we will. What's next? Well, we're going to talk to Rick Wesley. Yeah. Tomorrow. That's so right. Robin Rick all on one weekend. Yes. Yeah, the Robin and Rick weekend. It's a couples weekend. <clears throat> um, if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Please follow us on social media, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Again, Connor and Smith with an ER. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. Share it where you share things. Post it where you post things. Join the Discord discussion. Add photos from days of yore that you don't want on Facebook, but you want for this limited audience. Uh, the link is in the description. And add to the Spotify late 90s playlist you can add any songs that you like. Um, maybe they're not late 90s. Maybe they're 80s. Rick, Robin, add whatever you want. Um, but join it, please. Uh, we love finding the new songs that come up. There's like eight hours of music now. It's fantastic. It's great for any summer party. So uh, we'll be back with Rick Wesley tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. We love you. Bye. Bye.